Okay, I feel like I have a burp coming up, but it's not there yet. So I'll manage it when she does. Creepy. (laughs) Great. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Eat Eat It Up, a podcast where we talk about bites of history while we're eating bites of snacks from local restaurants, bakeries, patisseries, stores you name it cafes the whole gambit we do cafe oh my (laughs) gosh how did i forget the word cafe (laughs) so do you have a what's your snack this week oh and you know what we're recording marie and i are recording on a not normal day (laughs) and you know what that means any slight change i didn't get a snack no for the listeners that might be interested in what i've kind of just been eating more generally and i told (laughs) marie this before i did eat Probably a quarter of a bag of um, Miss Vicky's original flavor. Oh, which are a Canadian <laughs> chip. So I didn't know that. I think so. Let, okay. I'll Google it so that I can fact check. But I think they are a Canadian okay. chip at least. Oh, that's good. To, okay. So yeah, locally. Well, kind of locally made. And they're so good. I do feel um, absolutely sick to my stomach right now. But I'm just such a big fan of the Wish chip. You know what a Wish chip is? Oh. Is that the, the, it's almost like curled in, right? Yeah. It's like, it's when it like doubles over and then a yes. wish chip, you have to like chew the number of years that you are old. But then I, I so realized like I've actually- five, you don't get very many bites. Yeah. But oh, then- I didn't know like, that about the wish chip. I thought you just made a wish when you ate one. No, to, to make it work, you have to chew oh. the right amount of times. But I actually didn't make any wishes and I didn't chew my age. Oh. So- <laughs> Okay. That's just well, kind of oh, general. To fact check, Miss Vicky's is a Canadian brand, but it's okay. made by Frito-Lay, which is based in the U.S. and Canada. Oh, yeah. So it's They're like, probably like a subsidiary of like Nestle or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it is Canadian founded. So kudos yeah. to you, Sam. Thank you. Yeah. I'm trying to support local. Um, what are you eating? So this week I am having a slice of, it's called Madagascar vanilla cake from Trafique. Spelled mm-hmm. T-R-A-F-I-Q. And they are oh. the cake place that I was talking about that's really close to that yum uh, shop where I got like the milkshake from. Mm. Um, right, and right, they, right. they like actually, I've heard about their cakes so often. And, and the reason I finally like decided to go was because Thomas, my brother, sent me a TikTok and it was somebody reviewing it. Mm, and I was like, okay, okay, everyone's been talking about this for years. Like I should finally go. Yeah. And you can get, like, you can order a whole cake in advance, but you can also just walk in and get, like, single slices of cakes. Yeah. They're actually phenomenal. Like, oh, they're really? they great. And so the one I'm, the vanilla one today, I decided, because our topic is Margaret Thatcher, English, yeah. I was like, what's a very, like, lightly flavored cake? And that was, to me, vanilla. <laughs> I love that, like, white woman conservative cake gives yeah. you vanilla i was like vanilla which i also love vanilla but don't like to fall into that category but i do <laughs> you're literally <laughs> like a, a thatcher stan yeah. okay. <laughs> well, oh, now i want cake but i guess i did this to myself well i have to say to everyone kudos to sam majorly because i made us reschedule and i was so stressed when i texted you for no reason there was no reason that i should have been stressed last week i just was and I texted you and was like, can we please change it, et cetera? And I was like expecting your response to be like, okay, like no worries. And that response still would have made me feel bad. Like it still would have stressed me out because it's like, oh, like he's okay with it, but is he really, et cetera? Right, right. But your response was like, 
the perfect response and it was like Aww. maria i've forgotten snacks multiple times i don't always edit the episodes on time you were like it's fine <laughs> oh it is like i'm the biggest flake ever so it's like and it just like, uh, yeah, you feel good because it's like this isn't like a professional thing. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's no. okay. We so, so far, once again, we've made um, a grand total of zero dollars <laughs> collectively <laughs> Thus from far. this. So yeah, it's not quite a business enterprise, but not yet. We'll hey, build our empire. I'm glad we could reschedule and find a time where we could sit yeah. down and do this within both of our busy work weeks. So yeah. Happy oh my we could god. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out to Sam. Leave Sam a Thanks. comment in the Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I, I need that. I'm needing that right now. Um, okay, well, should we get into the, the app? I want I want to hear about topic of app this week, our, uh, the, the Iron Lady. The Iron Lady. Were you about to say our queen? Margaret? Yeah, weirdly. I was like, I don't know actually if I qualify her as our queen. I, I don't yeah. know if I'd ever say that politically, but um, yeah, I think my brain just like goes on autopilot to like- yes. <laughs> gay drivel slang so that's where that's part of the it's with. part of the quote um yeah but so what was i gonna say i don't know i don't know how a lot of, like margaret thatch was a very divisive woman oh and i think a lot God, of us know yeah. that and yeah. it seems to be the only thing that people can seem to agree on about thatcher are that she entered office in 1979 and she left in 1990 and that's about right. it <laughs> it's like she was the prime minister yeah yeah. Longest serving female prime minister, longest serving British prime minister of the 20th century and the first right. female prime minister of Britain. Right. Um, so for like a touch of background, Thatcher, she was born in 1925 and she died in okay. 2013 um, right. from a stroke, although she did have like dementia leading up to it. So it wasn't like she was in prime health before that right. point. During her time in office, the big things are she reduced the influence of trade unions she forced the Labour Party to abandon its commitment to nationalized industry because mm-hmm. she was like privatizing a bunch of industries. She redefined the role of the welfare state by scaling back public benefits. Right. And she also accepted the importance of the free market. And this last one is, of course, significant free market, like Cold War vibes. That's why we care. Mm-hmm. And she is, as we all know, from that iconic Meryl Streep movie, she's nicknamed the Iron Lady. And so Thatcher, she opposed Soviet communism, and she also fought a war to maintain control of the Falkland Islands. Uh, Mm -hmm. Overall, she was seen as a woman who railed against the evils of poverty, while also being callous and unsympathetic to the hardships of the (laughs) have-nots. So she's an anomaly, that one. And um, her opponents saw Thatcher's policies as being cruel and short-sighted, and widening the gap between rich and poor and worsening the struggles of the poorest Britons. Mm. Her eventual resignation from the role of prime minister was due to the pressure she was under to resign from the members of her own conservative party. And she left in 1990. And although she did a few things afterwards, really what she's known for is her time as prime minister. Right. And that is, that's all for background because we kind of dive into details Yeah. and we get into it, but that's, that's the general overview of Thatcher. Yeah, she's the neoliberal one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever watched yeah. The Iron Lady? No, I haven't actually um, heard about it. Never seen <laughs> heard it. Heard loads about Never. it. Because she was, so she was prime minister 
when Reagan was president, right? Like when, when yes, Reagan was president, she was friends. But it was it was this was like the period, this like turn around the world towards like neoliberalism, mm-hmm. cutting back on social services, um, yes. trying to limit limit uh, union activity, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And I will try to paint what I hope is like a decently fair picture, and that we will talk about the things that she did that like maybe politically I wouldn't agree with, and so I might be right. more critical of it. But also there were some of the tough decisions she made ended up in the long term being better for Britain. So okay, it's like back and forth. You can kind of decide. Yeah. Anyone listening to this, I'm guessing you don't really know that much about her. So you may not have an opinion. <laughs> we don't have a huge Brit- British audience, weirdly. Yet. <laughs> so yet. Yeah, Sorry, yet. So. <laughs> okay. So getting into details. Um, slight focus on pre-Prime Minister times. So there are some minor political related things that Margaret does before in like the late 40s and 1950 and 51. It wasn't super relevant. So like I left that part out. But then um, in December 1951, right. she marries, um, she originally was named Margaret Roberts. In 51, she marries Dennis Thatcher. So that's how she gets her name. Mm-hmm. And he was a wealthy businessman. And then less than two years later, she gave birth to twins, Carol and Mark, all while studying for the bar exams, which ended up passing in early 1954. And um, she has twins. That's interesting. I'm also a twin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of point like, four. I identify as... <laughs> as a twin. Point four, Margaret Thatcher, currently. And she in also... Her and her twins were boy-girl twins. Carol Mark. Okay. That's also kind of a little bit of a, a plus for her. Yeah. So... It's shaping up to be a lot like a McLennan household story over here. (laughs) Um, And then after she passed the bar exam, she spent the next few years practicing law and figuring out what constituency she'd be able to win Um, as like a politician. Obviously she wasn't planning to be a lawyer. So this was where she was headed. Right. And so she had run for parliament in 1950 and 51, but both of these times she did it in like a very labor dominated constituency. Right. She didn't win. Um, so she decided to run again in 1959, but this time she did it in Finchley, which was like a very conservative place. And right. so she easily won that seat. And by 1961, Thatcher accepted an invitation to become parliamentary undersecretary in the Ministry of Pensions and National Insurance, which sounds fascinating. And from this, she moved up the ministerial r- ranks, becoming a secretary of state for education and science when the conservatives won back power in 1970. Right, and right. in 1971, she was already making enemies because her Labour Party opponents labeled her as Thatcher, the milk snatcher, because she eliminated a free milk program for kids in school. Okay. So she was already cutting things back before she even got Prime That's Minister. a good rhyming one, hey? Milk snatcher? Like, you know what? It really works. Like, <laughs> it does rhyme. It does. It all comes together. Despite this, though, she didn't lose support amongst her own voters. It was just like people in the Labour Party didn't love her. Yeah. And in 1975, with the Conservatives back in the opposition, so they had lost power again, she defeated the former Prime Minister, Edward Heath, and she now became the leader of the Conservative Party. That was 1975. Mm. And then 1979, the Conservatives won the election. And so this was partly, they called it the winter of discontent. Um, in mm. which like numerous unions went on strike and that kind of helped, you know, anytime there's like 
big upheaval in a place, you'll change the political party in power. Right, right. So that's what ended up happening. Conservatives won, and Thatcher was prime minister starting 1979. Cool. Cool. Any questions for her? thus far? <laughs> um, nope. It's pretty nope. straight. I was it's pretty boring. Straight, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maria, don't say that. It's, it's good to know this history. It is. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know about that. I am trying. I do want to know more about Thatcher, and I'm glad that I now do after doing this research. Right. However, you know what? I'm glad that I never took a history course on this. Like, this would have okay. been a bummer. <laughs> You're like, it wouldn't have been my, yeah. Your thing. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, so, Prime Minister times. So, yeah. Thatcher was one of the most powerful women in the world during her reign as Prime Minister. Right. And her policies really did change many aspects of British life. And collectively, I'm sure we've all heard this term, they were called Thatcherism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know anything? Like, I'm yeah. sure you know a bit about Thatcherism, Sam. Um, do you, like, have an idea of what it um, means? Like, not really beyond, yeah. like, the kind of this general neoliberal suite of policies in the, like, 80s that were kind of pursued by a lot of jurisdictions around the world. So mm-hmm. I would assume it means, like, lower corporate taxes, lower income tax, um, like union busting activities to try and limit mm-hmm. like the, the power of unions to strike or like forcing them yes. back to work with um, legislation, for example, yes. um, like uh, globalization. So less uh, restriction on, on trade, like things like that, I would say. Those are all dead on. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, oh God, like okay. all of these points we will talk about in like her, her term, her terms okay. are- but so at its most basic, Thatcherism really represents a belief in free market and small right. state. That's what it yeah. means. And so rather than planning and regulating business and people's lives, the government's job is essentially to get out of the way. And their yeah. only role should really be in defense and in um, currency. Right. And so everything else should be left to individuals to exercise their own choices and take responsibility for their own lives. Right. So that's kind of like where Thatcher came from. Like that's how a lot of her policies were shaped. Right. And so this idea behind Thatcherum, whoa, Thatcherum. <laughs> Love that for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this idea behind <laughs> Thatcherism was really revolutionary for the time because central planning of industry and society, that's what helped win the war, like World War right. II. Right, right, right. And so they kind of had been sticking to this model since then. And before this, like, leaders of both the Conservative and Labour parties in Britain thought mm-hmm. that the only way to govern society was to plan and control industry, which were largely right. owned by the state. Right. But of course, Thatcher, she really rejected state ownership of businesses and this more socialist tendency of central planning. Right. Um, and also, like, I'm sure, like, anyone who's taken a course in Soviet anything will have heard of a command economy. <laughs> <laughs> which is when it's like very centralized, like it's all done by like top tier, et cetera, it falls down. Right. And that's something that at the time was really common that we don't see as much anymore, but right. her breaking away from this was kind of a big deal at the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So to be fair, we're going to, we're about to be very critical of Thatcher. Okay. You're like, <laughs> we're, so we're I've said all the good things now. <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. No, but she, we're about to be very critical of her during her first term. However, I do mm-hmm. want to state that when she walked into office, it's not as if Britain was in amazing shape and she tanked it. Like they already weren't yeah. in a good space. Right. She just maybe made some harsh measures. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Britain was experiencing 
a pretty intense economic recession, businesses were already failing and inflation and employment were on the rise. Unemployment. Right. <laughs> Not employment. Like, the other. Employment's on the rise. It was like, woo! Everyone has to work. Yeah. Wah, wah. So she, that's what she walked into. And in October 1980, so this is 17 months into her first term, Thatcher yeah. faced ru- disaster um, because there was rising inflation and her popularity was starting to drop, at least for a moment. Right. And so she was like, okay, we're going to turn this situation around. We're going to figure out this economic issue. Mm-hmm. And so as part of Thatcherism, she controlled the money supply with high interest rates to tame inflation. So the government lowered direct taxes, whereas under like the previous labor government, there had been high levels of income tax for high earners. And so Thatcher provided cut income tax. And so instead, Mm. there was a shift away from direct taxation towards indirect, meaning there were increased taxes on spending. Right, Uh, okay. Which I kind of minorly understand. Like, of course, I don't get numbers. So, like, I minorly understand what this all means. <laughs> right. It's kind um, of just, yeah, we get what we get and we move on from it, right? We let the fluff out there. Catch what you can. <laughs> yeah, it's not our job. No. <laughs> so, her battle against inflation, it led to mass unemployment. And this happened right. while Thatcher's government also decided to abandon its commitment to full employment saying that this should be a responsibility of employers and employees, not the state. So that's Mm, kind of a bummer. Um, She's like, fuck you, you're on your own. (laughs) Deal with it. Um, Deal with it. For a sense of numbers, in 1979, when she first came into power, unemployment Mm -hmm. rate was at 5.9%. By 1984, it reached 11.9%. Oh, damn, okay. So big jump, and then... By the time she was out of office in 1990, it was at 6.9%. Okay. So it got, like, it did peak and it got a bit better, but still, like, during her time, people were not as employed as they would like to have been. Right. (laughs) And more businesses were failing and more people were out of work than at any time since the Great Depression. Right. So that never turns out well. That's Um, Yeah. (laughs) You don't want, you don't want to be compared to the Great Depression. No, (laughs) no. No, you want to be the Roaring Twenties is where you want to be. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the summer of 1981, which is, I'm sure as you'll remember, the same summer when Charles and Diana got married. Um, Yes. (laughs) You're like, of course. And Um, 1981 is also when the Pope was shot that we talked about last week. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I thought somehow you were going to bring back Taylor Swift into this. No. She's not even around, Sam. Years later. (laughs) But I was trying to think, I was like, why is 81 so familiar? We just talked about this, but it was when Pope John Paul was shot. Yes, big year, big year. If you're trying to get in the mindset of what's going on in the world. (laughs) Enter into this with us. Yeah. And so during this summer, the discontent, like people were pissed. And so Mm -hmm. they started rioting in places like Brixton, Liverpool, Manchester, and Bristol. And so there was rioting, arson, looting, like kind of society seemed to be crumbling. And Thatcher's advisors, they were like, you have to ramp up social spending and jobs programs. Right. But instead, she was like, I would rather introduce stronger police presence. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> um, she eventually had to concede a bit because she was being intensely criticized. Like, there was mm-hmm. national shame across Britain. <laughs> but I, even so, like, her first reaction was not to help people get right. jobs. It was like law and order. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so at the time, racial and class tensions were rising. 
And even like her close advisors worried that her push to stanch inflation, sell off nationalized industry and deregulate the economy was devastating the poor, undermining the middle class and creating chaos. Mm-hmm. So those close to her even felt or like... Or even like, oh, this is not good. Yeah. And yeah. so during her first term, the government also sold off public housing. Um, and they implemented austerity measures and made other reforms. And so her response to all of this, because everyone's telling her like, no, this doesn't sound like a good idea. We don't really want to do this. And her party kind of was starting to fall out of like love with her. And her response to this was, mm-hmm. you turn if you want to... Right the lady's not for turning. And her resolve really did the trick because she avoided a party revolt. And after that point, it was kind of like, okay, she's going to do what she's going to do. Thatcher's policies, I did read somewhere, they did end up revitalizing British business and they spurred industrial growth and a growing middle class. And kind of in a good way, it turned the conservatives who like for a long time were associated with the status quo, it turned them into the party of reform. Maybe not the reform that you or I would want. Right. <laughs> but they were willing to change things, I guess. Right. Um, and so she she very much, after hearing all this, we would know, like, rejected economic theories of John Maynard Keynes. I was going to um, say. <laughs> so, you know, she wasn't huge for, like, spending money to increase employment. You know, spend money, make money. She didn't yeah. believe in that whole thing. She was like, yeah. no, it'll, it'll figure itself out. Our job is not to be involved in it. Right. So anyways, that's her first term, largely, um, in terms of policy. In terms of her nickname, the Iron Lady, where that comes from, this partly was Thatcher showed relentless hostility towards the USSR. (laughs) And so she focused on modernizing Britain's nuclear forces, which also then led into fears of nuclear war that even like members of her own party were a bit stressed out about. (laughs) And so her attacks against the USSR, they were noticed by the Kremlin. Like they kept track of what was going on. And she gave a speech attacking them saying that the USSR was bent on world dominance, which is not wholly correct in Mm. my opinion, but like, so was the US, I guess. Like, you you know, both of them. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to be honest. (laughs) Like, yeah. 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 Kind of. So, kind of rich coming from like the British Empire, but right. like a little bit. It's like okay, you guys literally tried to do that uh, like a hundred, two hundred years ago. So right. It's, it's like, like if we had better communication a little bit while back, same could have been said about you. Yeah. Like, it's like, all... that's, yeah. It's like okay, empire. Hmm. Anyways. Like, okay. Um, yeah. But so after she said this, a Soviet army newspaper responded by calling her the Iron Lady, and mm. this was a nickname which she actually immediately embraced. Like she liked the nickname. Right. Which shows the Soviet, <laughs> that newspaper, they didn't do what they wanted to do. <laughs> no. Well, it is kind of honestly like a girl boss nickname, like a badass. Like, I know, I know she's like not a feminist icon because, you know, policies definitely harmed a lot of um, yes. poor women. But like, yes. but um, Iron Lady is a cool name. You know what? I wouldn't be mad if someone called me that, especially if I had so many people against me. Oh my I'd God, like, I know. Oh, it's I'll so cool. It. If, yeah, right? I would call you the Iron Lady. Thanks. Please do. Yeah. The Pope, the Iron Lady. Yeah. First woman Pope and iron, second Iron Lady. <laughs> Although, to be fair, like, despite her dislike of the USSR, Thatcher was one of the first Western leaders to befriend Mikhail Gorbachev. 
Mm. Um, and I think it was like partly, a, I'm like, I think it was of course partly political right. because <laughs> at the time he was about to become the leader of the USSR and mm. he really represented like a member of the new generation. Like he mm-hmm. wouldn't have been like born or doing anything when the USSR formed. So he's kind of like new for them. Right. And so she invited him to Britain in December, 1984, three months before he came to power and was able to like form like, I want to say relationship, but that always sounds like lovers. They definitely right. weren't like, they were not lovers. Yeah. <laughs> they were just politicians who could interact with each other. Right. Um, and her relationship with Gorbachev. And of course she was close friends with us president, Ronald Reagan it actually, she played a very vital role in kind of easing Cold War tensions and some would even say like helping end the Cold War right. because she served as like this vital link between the White House and the Kremlin mm. in their tense negotiations to end the Cold War in the 80s. Interesting, okay. So yeah, she was important for that, which is Credit to her a positive, I would think. Yes. Yeah. In April 1982, Argentina invaded the Falkland Islands, which I had, I was like, where is that? Essentially, it's a sparsely populated British colony that's 300 miles from Argentina, okay. 8,000 miles from the UK. <laughs> yeah, okay. So as we were talking about this whole like world dominance thing, Britain was yeah, doing like, its thing earlier, you know? Yeah, yeah it's like... <laughs> so Thatcher, she dispatched, like Argentina invaded them. Thatcher was like, nope, not happening. She sent troops to the islands. And there was like a very controversial moment where in May 1982 a British submarine sank an Argentinian cruiser that was outside of like an official exclusion zone and it killed over 300 mm. people. Oh my God. And so in total, I think it was like over a thousand Argentinians died and right. a couple hundred Brits died, maybe less right. than 200. So right. I, I can't remember that exactly. But anyways, the, the, the Argentinians suffered more in that. War. Right. Um, by the end of May though, despite persistent air attacks, the Brits captured back um, the Falkland Islands, and they brought an end to the fighting. Right. Not, it doesn't seem super important. Like, of course, it like sort of is. But the reason that I'm talking about the Falkland Islands is because largely this war, alongside with like an improving economy, that's what allowed Thatcher to snag her second term in office mm, in 1983. So it did right. matter because up to that point, you know, with the tax policies, et cetera, she was hit or miss. Yeah. Now she gained a bit of popularity. Right. And so in what became a key part of her legacy during her second term, Thatcher also focused on rolling back the frontiers of the state. And so she privatized British telecom, British gas, British airways, and electricity companies, and a number of other state-owned companies. Mm. Apparently that included Rolls-Royce. But I was really? like, I was like, is that, I that's why I didn't, I didn't include it. Cause I was like, that doesn't seem yeah, right, but I have wrong. no clue. That's really so. interesting. Okay. Yeah, and instead, so instead they were put back into private hands. Right. And the reasoning for her doing this was partially because these industries relied really heavily on government subsidies. Mm. And so it saved the government some money. Right. And to be fair, like through the privatization, um, utilities especially, like it did bring down rates for many customers. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. Like it was fine, I guess. I don't really have any opinions about it. (laughs) Right. And so this time around in her second term, Thatcher really took on the trade unions Mm. and it required, like she required them to hold a secret ballot before any work stoppage Mm. and union membership during her time when she came into office in 1979, 
13.2 million people were part of a union. Right. By 1990, it was 9.8 million. So she tried to curb it pretty extensively. Right. And this was partly because Thatcher really hated strikes, obviously. Like, that's why, like, that's why she was anti-union, was she was more anti-strike. <laughs> right, right. And so she introduced laws that would help curb the amount of strikes that Britain was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, like, I understand why. Like, in 1979, there were 6 million working days lost thanks to strikes. Right. And this peaked in 83 at 29.5 million working days lost. Right. So, you know, if if your economy is already not like doing super well, you don't love when like a whole sector of an industry will just shut down. Like I get that. Um, But by 1990, at the end of her like final term, because she had cracked down so hard, this number fell to 2 million working days lost in a year due to strikes. Wow. But we're up from 29 and a half to like, less than 2 million. So, you know, she did something there. Right. Not um, good for workers' rights, but... Um, <laughs> if you're an employer, you love it. If yeah. you're an employee, it's same old, same yeah. old story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's also at this point in 1983, when all of those days were lost, um, that Thatcher is like, has to deal with a very, like another very serious strike. And so this time she mm-hmm. does not back down. And... She earns a reputation for toughness in 1984 when coal miners called a nationwide strike. Mm, Right, okay. So for a bit of background, by this point in Britain, the coal industry was already in rapid decline. It's not like Thatcher ignited this issue. Like it was already not a super popular or like becoming a less popular form of fuel. Right. Um, Because Britain was starting to like discover cheaper, safer and cleaner offshore natural gas. So that's what they were transitioning towards. And also I can understand Thatcher's response because in the seventies there were like, there were a few um, strikes by miners, the most significant happening in 1972 that like for multiple weeks in a row would leave people without power for up to nine hours a day. So I get, I get where she's coming from a bit. (laughs) Right. Um, focusing on the strike, um, during the 1970s, like I said, the National Union of Mine Workers, they had caused widespread fuel shortages and they brought the country to a screeching halt every time they did that. Right. And so Thatcher, she had already seen the effects of these strikes and she was determined to avoid the same fate that the last government had faced. So on March 6, 1984, the National Coal Board announced its plan to cut the nation's coal output by 4 million tons. And this right. would kind of mean that 20 pits would be closed, roughly 20,000 people would be out of jobs. Right. And so the same day this was announced, miners in South Yorkshire, they walked in on the job, and this then triggered like a nationwide strike against mm-hmm. these planned closures and loss of jobs. Right. And these, these miners managed to shut down pits across Britain, but unlike in the 1970s, Thatcher had already taken steps to stockpile enough coal to keep the country supplies like supplied for at least six months in the case of a strike. Interesting. Yeah. She was like prepared for it. (laughs) Right. Um, And she had also made like these secret deals with non-unionized drivers to transport the coal. So it Mm. would ensure that like these power outages couldn't cripple Britain again, like they had previously. Right. Um, The strike 
did get violent, particularly, of course, between like the miners and the police forces. Yeah. And some of the worst violence took place in South Yorkshire. There's this one day, particularly June 18th in 84, called the Battle of Orgreave. And right. basically 120 people got injured. Wow. So intense moment there. Mm-hmm. And the strike ended like 362 days later on March 3rd, 1985. Wow. But the catch was there was no settlement. Catcher, no, catcher. <laughs> Thatcher. <laughs> Thatcher didn't make a single concession to the miners. Wow. So they didn't okay. get anything that they wanted out of it. Right. And so the failure of the miners' strike, there were like major implications for the future of labor unions and coal mining in Britain, of course. But this was kind of already happening before Thatcher entered. So not fully her. But at this point, union membership fell from 40% to barely 20%. And coal mines began closing down pretty rapidly. Um, So like, whereas like in 1984, you had 170 coal mines, by 2013, you have three. Right. So of course, that's partly like no one's really using coal as much anymore, but Mm -hmm. the minor strike didn't help. And the resolution or like lack thereof did create a lot of lingering resentment amongst miners, both towards the government and towards their police force. And so from the minor strike and her previous tax policies, Thatcher really became a hate figure in working class communities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think like when you hear people being critical of Thatcher, it's often on behalf of those people or they are a part of that group of like poor Britons. Whereas like you don't hear it as much amongst the uber rich <laughs> right yeah <laughs> thatcher of course also had interactions with the ira right we've really covered all aspects of like thatcher's career i feel I know, like we kind of have diana That's we've enough. done the troubles like we've hit yeah. we've hit her before <laughs> the pope getting shot though she was not really involved with that oh she was as far as we know <laughs> you hmm. never know where was she that day <laughs> but so thatcher has long long been a figure of hate for nationalists in northern ireland Mm-hmm. I didn't look super into it because I honestly like don't care a whole ton. But yeah. basically, supporters like people who support Thatcher will say like she would inevitably she was never going to love Northern Ireland because yeah. Irish Republican militants they killed a close ally of hers in a 1979 car bomb attack, mm-hmm. and then in October 1984, the IRA like the Irish Republican Army. They attempted to murder Thatcher and many of her colleagues by bombing their hotel in Brighton during the Conservative Mm -hmm. Party annual conference, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like I can understand how maybe she doesn't care, like where she's not very sympathetic. But I think like the order of it was like she, if I recall from our Troubles episode, it was because she was trying to limit their their rights of the... um, the like the IRA um, people who were imprisoned in yes, Northern yes. Ireland. Yes. So then they bombed yeah. her. And, like I don't think she just like she was okay with them no, and no. then they tried to bomb her and then she was like mean to them. Like, no, I, and I'm gonna sorry, talk not that you were saying that. that but. <laughs> I'm like she was such a bully. She was so nice, and then they were mean to her, and <laughs> she got back at them. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, because amongst those who actually hate yeah. her, because those are the people who support her will say that argument. Yeah. yeah. Those who don't will say like. Well, in 1981, there was like a hunger strike amongst yeah. like 10 Republican inmates did yeah. this hunger strike. And it was basically, they were, it was this political prisoner dispute status thing um, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. Thatcher just didn't give these prisoners any privileges because she right. said, like, 
crime is crime is crime. It's not political. Right. Whereas right. they were like, we didn't really commit like a crime, like against humanity. Like it was, it was a right. political crime. So right. we treated differently than other prisoners. Right. And it was because they had, they had previously had those rights and then they were yes. revoked. Yeah. And, and I can't remember if they were revoked under that or not, but then, but then they were like, you need to bring them back. And she wouldn't, I think. Yes. Sorry, not yeah. that I'm trying to take over, but I remember this. No, because I didn't do a whole lot of looking into it. So I was yeah. like, this sounds fine. But yeah, that all makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So um, overall. Not that it, not, sorry, not that I'm saying it's also justified that like <laughs> they tried to kill her either. <laughs> like, like I'm like, uh, it's the other way around. She like, did it. And on. then they tried to bomb her as if that's like good too. No, it's, like, it's totally enough. fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> that on both sides. <laughs> yeah. Um, overall though, like much like me in this episode, the violence in Northern Ireland really wasn't high up on her agenda. Um yeah. <laughs> and she <laughs> she saw the troubles as like hard to deal with, and her policies in her mind were like simply a way of preserving the status quo. So okay. yeah. We're leaving the IRA now. We touched on them, we're going. Yeah. (laughs) So after Thatcher was elected to a third term in 1987, her government lowered income tax rates to a post-war low. And this was pretty unpopular because basically what happened is now local governments would be financed by this different system that Mm -hmm. relied on a flat tax rate for each adult. Meaning that the burden... A flat tax. A flat tax rate. Oh, God, Okay. So who do you think that's going to affect worse? Yeah. The uber yeah. rich or yeah. the lower income earners? Yeah. yeah. So essentially that's like classic Thatcher where yeah. this thing disproportionately really affected poor burdens. Right. This, okay. her third term was also like full of a bunch of setbacks. Basically there were issues over monetary policy, taxes, and like Britain's place in the European community. Mm-hmm. And specifically she was really opposed to adopting the euro in Britain because she felt mm-hmm. like linking the pound to other currencies would erode Britain's political independence. Right, okay. That and so, sense. and even like in 1999, which was years after she stepped out of office, Thatcher didn't mince her words because she said, in my lifetime, all the problems have come from mainland Europe and all the solutions have come from English-speaking nations across the world. Oh my so... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely she thinks they're the best. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't pro-European Union. By yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like during her third term, some of the decisions she made it caused her government to give up hard-won gains against inflation and unemployment. Mm-hmm. Right. And ultimately, she was kicked out of her party due right. to her resistance to expand Britain's role in the EU. By the point she was leaving, it like recovered in the later '90s, but when she was leaving, the economy was in recession. Her reputation was damaged and she did her closing speech on like number 10 Downing Street, which is like the prime minister's house. And right. she had tears coming out of her eyes. So oh. she didn't leave in a, the best state. A good way. Yeah. And she did like some minor things afterwards. Like she wrote a memoir and she was still influential in political realms, mm-hmm. of course. And like, she even, I think, she like had communications with George Bush, et cetera. So like she was still right. in that realm and people right. viewed her as important. But of course, like in the later, like 2000s, she did develop some dementia and then she died of a stroke at the age of 87 in 2013. Right. Okay. And that is the Iron Lady. There you wow. go. Thanks, Marge. 
No worries. What a thrilling discussion. <laughs> no, but it was good. It's good to like, you know, get the rundown. I think it's one of those that's like, if I'm going to do a bunch of synopses of women, she makes sense to toss in the ring there. Yeah, of course. Was she free to callow? No, but that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) So what's your review on the Miss Vicky's? It was so good. I still feel sick over an hour later. I do have to say, did you eat like a mini bag, like a Subway version of a no, bag? No, so it was, the, like it was the big bag, and so a quarter of a big bag, not like a little bag. How was is, how is your cake from Trafic? It's super yummy. I have to yeah, say, like, big fan. I think my favorite flavor from there is like they do a salted caramel one, mm, which okay. I know you don't like caramel. I think you would like it, though, because hey, vanilla cake and chocolate frosting. I don't know why I try to Where's advocate. Where's the caramel, though? It's, like, in pockets of the chocolate frosting, mm. like, the way they pipe. You know, I have to whatever. dig it out. But Trafic's cakes are honestly yeah. insanely gorgeous. Like, they... Like, I think that's part of the appeal, is within the vanilla cake, it's not just, like, vanilla cake and vanilla frosting. Yeah. It's, like, there's actual, like, a mousse in there. There's, like, custard. Like, it's, like, it has right. different layers. Texture. And the vanilla one, you can't see as much because it's all, like, very, like kind of similar colors like ivory white colors yeah but you can see it more so in like the salted caramel one or like their other chocolate ones where like you can see the distinctive breakdown in them interesting it's very cool like it's a very layered complex vanilla cake this is not a simple little this is mm-hmm. not a betty crocker get your betty crocker out of here and you know there's a time and a place like when i went to sweet some things i wanted my teeth to hurt from sugar and that is yeah. what they do which Whereas is not something Traffy, that I want, but... Which is, you know, it's for <laughs> those of us who love buttercream. Whereas sometimes you want to have a more sophisticated cake that you can eat like a full slice of throughout the day. Right. That is what Traffic will give you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's my so, life. Okay. So mm-hmm. why is Margaret Thatcher significant, Marge? Okay. So let me stretch it before this. Work it yeah. out. Um, of course, like I said, as with like anything with Thatcher, people are going to put different emphases on her importance. Some people will say it wasn't. Some people will say she's the whole reason Britain is the way it is today, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully we're somewhere in the middle there. Um, (laughs) So the first thing is for millions of Britain's better off working class, which I categorize more as like middle or upper middle class, the most important like direct impact of Thatcherism was on home ownership. Okay. So Thatcher actually was a really big advocate. She wanted Britain to become like a nation of home homeowners. Mm-hmm. And she actually like, I wouldn't say she achieved that. It's not like they're all homeowners now, but she did make significant strides in achieving that goal. Right. So like for instance, in like 1981 UK censuses, it shows that England and Wales had 10.2 million homeowners. Yeah. And by 91, this grew to 13.4 million. Wow. And that maybe like, I know I read that number and I was like, okay, they also had a growing population. Like, who? Yeah. <laughs> All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But it is kind of significant because in 2011, so this is 20 years after, the population had grown by 6 million, but there were only 14.9 homeowners. So in like her, like kind of like 11 year span, oh. 
she yeah. increased it by like millions. Whereas like right. 20 years after she kind of stepped out of office, it yeah. increased by like a little over a million. Okay, so right, right, right. her policies did make a difference in that aspect. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But this was kind of partly due to a um, policy that was introduced where like tenants had the right to buy their homes at a significant discount. And so it made oh, it easier for them to like step into home ownership. Right. Also led to housing prices increasing. So tit for tat. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and alongside this rise in home ownership, which I think like is a good thing, you also have a decline in social housing. So that's not mm, yeah. so bueno. And then stemming yeah. from this time and continuing today, there are long waits on housing lists. So right. good and bad came out of it. Right. Thatcher, of course, she also made changes to the UK's tax system, some changes to welfare, and many changes to the nature of British jobs, both through like privatization and economic liberalization, right. part of which came from her battle with the unions. So during her tenure, families overall, they did get richer. Yeah. But these gains were, of course, not evenly distributed. Right. So the poorest people got the least. And the number of children in poverty almost doubled under Thatcher. Oh, so shit. 1979, you have 1. 1. million children living in poverty. Mm -hmm. 1990, you have 3.3 million. Right. And then pensioner poverty in that same period also increased from 3.1 million to 4.1 million. Right. And this isn't just like, oh, increasing population, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. It's also like policy because for comparison in like the early 2010s, you only had 2.3 million children in poverty and 2 million pensioners living in poverty. Right. So it's like, it, it's more than just population growth. It is policy right. it's a that policy impacted. choice, yeah. Yeah. And so we also kind of talked about this, but Thatcher is perhaps most associated with the death of Britain's mining industry. <laughs> and the number of miners really collapsed under Thatcher and afterwards. But of yeah. course, like, to be fair, this was already happening in the 60s and 70s before she came to power. Right. She fairly, though, was the target of anger because she was the first post-war prime minister to cut these types of jobs without right. finding or creating replacement ones. Yeah, that's a really bad luck. Um, and I think there's this weird thing, like, for Canadians, and I'm sure Americans too, Thatcher's brand of conservatism isn't, like, what we probably now consider to be conservatism. Mm -hmm. um, just in the sense that, like, she voted in favor of decriminalizing homosexuality and abortion. Right. Which I would never pin to the conservatives here. Right. Um, but then, you know, she also said in 1987 that school tr children should be learning traditional moral values rather than their right to be gay. So, <laughs> you know. I love that. School tr children learning about their right to be gay. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, I missed that lesson in school, I'll tell you. Yeah, that. I missed that. I forgot that lesson. That's really funny. <laughs> so she, for all things to me, she's like an anomaly because it's like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Like, she doesn't want to criminalize homosexuality and abortion but then she says yeah. stuff like this and it's like it's hard to so, love you when you do things yeah, like you're this. shooting yourself in the foot <laughs> right uh, so ultimately Sorry. though wrapping it all up it's the economic changes during thatcher's duration as prime minister continued yeah. in large part by her successors that have really shaped britain ever since so oh. the rise of the property market and liberalization of the financial sector 
shaped the economic booms of the late 90s and most of the 2000s, but they were also the heart of the bust that followed with that recession in 2008. Unions remain weaker and utilities remain privatized in Britain. And in some, while Thatcher's difficult decisions threw many people out of work, upending British society, in the process, she modernized her country and prepared it for the era of freer trade. And she set an example for other countries. Right. And there she we go. She made rich people way richer. And that's all I want. So would you recommend Miss Vicky's? <laughs> yeah, they're fucking good. And also, if you like salt and vinegar chips, I hope Unbeatable. you're okay. I'm sorry. Wait, are no. you kidding me right now? They literally are so aggressive and everyone's I always agree salt and vinegar this. every I, sense except for Miss Vicky's. I don't like salt and vinegar any other time but Miss Vicky's. They still hurt. You're a twisted chicky. But to be fair, I used to get their like sweet chili heat one. Oh yeah, the jalapeno, that one? No, that, there, there's that one, but then the jalapeno one is like in a green bag, but then like mm-hmm, the sweet mm-hmm. chili is in like a blue bag. Oh, okay. I'm or a purple, one. yeah. Right. Yeah. No one cares. They're good. They're but good. yeah. Good stuff. And you're going back to Trafique, I'm assuming it sounds like a... Yeah, I will. I think like if... I know the other day was my neighbor's birthday and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I should get her. Like my mom wanted to get a cake for a party that we weren't invited to. Shout out. Okay. Um, right, vibe. <laughs> and it wasn't even... Like, nice, it, actually. It wasn't even like a gift as to us. It was just like the person hosting the party couldn't figure out where to get a cake. So we were going to help her buy a cake. <laughs> oh, that's actually really awkward. Okay. It was sort of weird, but... um. I, I would, I was like, oh, traffic would be the best. Cause to me, it's like a, like it's an upscaler, more adult version of a delicious birthday cake. Okay. So yeah, I would go back. There you go. There yeah. you have it. There you go, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this. You know, I never knew, but we we're really leaning into British history. We like, are. We haven't it. even meant to do it. No, but. How'd that happen? I also have to say, I think I'm going to start telling, no one's asked for it, but I'm going to start doing it. I read about a book a week right now in my current state of fragile mind. Yeah. Um, and so I just finished last week. I read one called the song of Achilles. I recommend it to Sam a ton. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in books, look up these ones that I'm telling you about. Cause song of Achilles phenomenal. Then I also read a rom-com saying just like it was called just last night. Also shattered my world. Cried during it, laughed during it. It in weirdly was really good. Yeah. It weirdly yeah. was really good. I'm currently reading a book called in cold blood by Truman Capote, who also wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. Um, so thus far, pretty, like I was really into it and then a dog died. So a little bit mad right now, yeah. but if anyone has book recommendations for me, and oh, mind you, okay. it has to have like a four out of five rating or higher on Goodreads. Otherwise yeah. I'm not leaning into it. So don't bother sending something if it's not kind of in that. Yeah. But I do, I read loads, like if it's a rom-com, if it's older style, if it's true crime, if it's murder mystery, I'll read it all. So I just don't really do the whole um, fantasy stuff, but who knows? Yeah. So there's my book corner. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you have recos from the men. Yeah, please do. Um, And if, again, you have any recommendations for topics or places you'd like us to try, please message us on Instagram or our email at mm-hmm. eat it up podcast at gmail.com dot gov so dot web <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you all next week bye bye